0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Spring so glad to see you. Can we stand? We're gonna sing this morning. We're gonna clap our hands just like this. Come on, everybody.
1: To welcome you, God. Reaching out to welcome you, God. Fill this place. Fill this place again with your song. Flood our thoughts with wonder and awe. Give us a greater glimpse of the never-changing God. Come on, sing it loud. Till all we want and all we need is found in you, found in you. Jesus, every victory is found in you, found in you. A greater glimpse of never-changing God I know you'll lead me through the desert place, the storms that rage around me, Savior, Redeemer, Defender, Healer, every single step of the way.
2: I will lift my head. I will take back And I will praise you from the valley to the mountain top From the valley to the mountain
1: top Your promise never fails when silence falls, though no darkness tries to hide it. Your faithfulness prevails when chaos calls. Your peace is all around me. Savior, Redeemer, Defender,
2: Healer, every single step of the way. I take I will praise from the valley To the mountain top I will lift my head
1: Today
0: is going to be an awesome day. We already had a great nine o'clock service and are just so excited about what God is going to do in this place during this service. Right now, go ahead and take a seat, and we're going to check out a video together.
3: I'm Chase Raper. uh, We've been coming to Springwell since about day one. Um, I remember I was going to the sixth grade as far back as I can remember, meeting in Starlight Ballroom, Downtown Greer. Mainly, it was with my mom um, for a long time. Me being middle school age, she was in charge of kids worship. Um, I would see how hard she would work at home on her own time to be prepared for Sunday mornings. And for a while before I was playing music and stuff, I would help with her too. And Seeing her heart to serve, you know, kind of just trickled down to us and made us want to work equally as hard to do what she did to be a part of what we were doing at Springfield. A, a guy named Travis Waters knew that i played play drums, marching band and all that, had a drum kit at home, but I'd never been in a band. And, um, you know, one day we just come up here and he believed in me and thought I could do it. And. You know, I sat down drunk kid, drum kit, just as nervous as I could be. And next thing you know, the following week, I'm playing on stage in front of all these people. I'm already intimidated by these high school kids and all trying to fit in and all that. Next thing you know, I'm in the band and having not look back. This is the most, it's what I enjoy doing more than anything I do all week. Um, it's my number one priority. I can remember back in high school making a promise that no matter what, I did music-wise, whatever band I was in, that this would always be number one priority. It's such a family atmosphere. We're all, you know, super tight. We always communicate outside of work between Sundays and Thursdays. Try to we do try to hang out, do life together, you know, growth groups and everything. And you know, it's just it's just we have a. It's not even the talent here. It's I guess everybody is you know they put in so much effort. Their own time to be prepared for Thursday and Sundays, and you know I, even me and Dylan both have played and served in a lot of worship teams outside of Springwell on various youth retreats and whatnot. And still, nobody does it like we do it here, to where it's just a just a family atmosphere. And it, it kills me that I can't serve every week, you know, when my job doesn't allow it. But on the two weeks in a row that I do get to, it's the most important thing I do all week thing I look forward to most all week. You know, I think that every bit of musical ability I have, you know, the little bit I have, whatnot, is, is to be used here.
4: Y'all go ahead and make Chase Raper feel really uncomfortable. He, uh, And the reason i say that is because he doesn't do it to to get applause he doesn't do it for for the spotlight but he does it because he loves what he what he does and he recognizes that god's given him a gift and uh it's not he, he's as good of a mu- musician as he is he's an even better person we're thankful for him you know he mentioned in that video that springwell met in a in the starlight ballroom in downtown greer it's funny because i actually went there as a kid for a little while i remember. Um, as a little boy going into this ballroom with mirrors all around it, like tend- attendance was doubled of what it was. But, but I remember Springwell was started to be a place where people could come together in unity and, and worship together, no matter uh, where you came from, no matter even what you believed when you could come in the doors, no matter the color of your skin. It was about worshiping together. And uh, I, just, I just think it's, it's funny that we hear that story on Martin Luther King Jr.'s the day before his birthday. Tomorrow we're gonna celebrate uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and what Dr. King did um, to help people be able to come together instead of having to be segregated, allowing people to worship together, to go to school together and to be together. And so I think it's kind of cool that we hear that story on this weekend. Uh, As we prepare to take up our offering, um, I just want us to remember that we do that together as well. We worship together through the giving of tithes and offerings, but it's also an opportunity for us to, to pull resources, to do so much more together than we can separate. It may not feel like you're about to give a lot. It may not feel like you give a lot when you click that button online to give online. It may not feel like you're entering a big amount in the kiosk out there, but together what we do allows us to impact more people like Chase more people uh, like the people that you're sitting with and beside each day. So as we prepare to give, whether you're giving at the kiosk, whether you're giving online, um, whether you're texting the number that's about to be on the screen, let's give together and let's give in response to all that God's given to us. If it's your first time this morning, don't worry about it. It's not, this isn't for you. This isn't why you were brought here. It's not why you were invited. It's not why we opened our doors to you. You can skip this part, but if you're a regular here, let's worship together through the giving of tithes and offerings. Let me pray and then we'll pass the bucket. God, thank you for together. Thank you that, um, Lord, as different as we all are in this room, Lord, we can come together, and just like you are a God of freedom, and Christ died to set us free, Lord, we celebrate uh, the freedom that we get to, to to walk in, the freedom that we get to live in, and the freedom we get to worship in. God, thank you for everything you've given to us. God, from the from the person that feels like they have so little, to the person that feels like they've been blessed beyond their wildest dreams. God, thank you that together we get to give. And God, we do so not out of dread, but out of appreciation, realizing that we're just returning what you've already given us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're on the left side of the road, there's a bucket under your chair. You can take it and pass it to the right. Thank y'all for being spring Springwell.
0: guys for faithfully giving this morning. Um, I know that some of you uh, didn't physically give in this moment, but maybe your giving is automated or you're planning on giving using the kiosk in the lobby after the service today. And thank you for doing that. Um, Right now, can I get everybody in the room to stand with me? Last week, we started a brand new series called Soul Rest And we are continuing that series today. And over the course of the next few weeks, what we're gonna be talking about is how do we find true rest in our lives? Um, This week, as I was preparing for this morning, uh, I was reminded of Psalm 46 that says, be still and know that I am God. I don't know about you guys, but I know that in my life, I often find myself during the week focused on the busyness of life, um, focused on my work, focused on my finances, making sure that my bills are paid. Um, for you, it may be focused on being a good spouse, being a good mom or, or a dad, um, going to school. There's all of these pressures of life that can just build up around us. And I know that for me at a certain point, it can be so difficult just to stop. And to pause and to be still. And then the second half of that scripture says, And know that I am God. It can be so easy for us to think that we are in control, to think that if we work harder, then tomorrow is going to be a better day. If we work hard this week, next week's going to be a better week. But the truth is, is that we are not in control. But God is. And when we're still and we know who our Father is, then we remember that God is faithful, that God gives us everything that we need every single day. So this morning, what I want all of us to do in the room together is I want us to stop. I want us to pause, to be still, not just physically still, but mentally, spiritually, I want us to be still this morning and remember who our Father is. So if you're comfortable in the room this morning, would you just close your eyes with me? And I want you to think, I want you to remember God's faithfulness in your life. Remember a time when God pulled you through a difficult situation And this morning, be reminded that that same God is still walking with you. That same God is still just as powerful and he can pull you through anything that you're walking through today. Here in this moment, forget about work, forget about tomorrow. Here in this moment, Focus on the spirit of God in this room. What's he saying to you? Is he reminding you of his never failing, never ending love for you? Is he reminding you that you are a son living God you are a daughter of the King Holy Spirit I pray that you would fill this room with your presence Father that you would overwhelm us with your love God that we are so undeserving of Holy Spirit that you would work in each life standing here today. God, whatever difficulty, whatever struggle, whatever wall is built up, God, remind us that you are stronger and you are greater than any of it. And God, there's nothing that you can't do. Holy Spirit, just work in us this morning. God, remind us of who we are. We are yours. We are sons and daughters of the God of the universe.
2: Lord, we just lift you up today, believing that you're going to move in the way you haven't moved before. You're going to open our hearts, that so you're going to show us new things. Lord, we thank you for who you are and how you love us and how you're always with us and how you encourage us to step out into new waters and to go deeper into our faith and our friendships and relationships than they've ever been before. Ultimately, Lord, we just thank you, but we want to give you all the praise today and all the glory. That's what we're here to do, is just lift you up. So we love you, and we praise you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. Y'all can take a seat.
5: Good morning. Hey, y'all. Well, sweet, wasn't it? Let's try that one more time. That was sweet, wasn't it? Okay, um, you know, I do believe with all my heart that the people that show up here every week are people that are not just looking uh, to punch a card and say, man, I, I went to church Sunday. I think that people that show up here are are people that are that are looking to have an experience with Jesus. I mean, I, I really, I, do, I think that we, I love what we do because I think that we reach desperate people. Desperate people that just want to feel His presence, to have an experience with, to know He's real, tangible, that you can touch Him. That he'll, you can have a relationship with Him. I just—that's our goal. The only thing that it matters. It's not—it's not about having a show. It's not about lights and sound. It's really all of that is just to lead us to a place where we experience Jesus. Uh, if you're new to Springwell, then we started a brand new series last week, and we're talking about rest. And I'm not just talking about any old kind of rest. I'm talking about rest from from a deep soul um, weariness, deep soul weariness. It's it's more than physical rest can fix, and it's more than a sabbatical can cure. And some of you have tried that. Maybe you went on a vacation, and maybe it was a week, maybe it was two weeks, and and so you didn't do anything all day every day. You just sat on the beach, you know, sipping lemonade. And the thing of it is, is that you came home just as tired as you were when you left. Maybe it's even worse. You can't put your finger on it. You can't figure out, why am I so tired? Now, sometimes we can point to the thing, we, you know, like the burden. We can point to the burden and we can say, you know what, I'm, the reason that the life has just kind of been drained out of me is because of this, this burden that I've carried, you know, for so long. And maybe it's a physical frailty. You know, I mean, you heard, I, I don't know if you did last week, I think I shared it with the first group. You know, I had total shoulder replacement a couple of years ago, now I've got to have shoulder surgery on the other one. I'm tired of hurting hello, anybody else? any old people out there that want to raise your hand? yeah, there you go. It makes more sense right you know you get you get can get weary just just from carrying those physical frailties around day in and day out, and you can get tired, really, really tired. sometimes it's an emotional heartbreak. you can point to that thing you says it's, it's an emotional heartbreak, it's this divorce it's that separation, it's a friendship that that's struggling, and you can, you can point to the thing, sometimes it's the consequences of our sin, hello? Like, if you're caught up in addiction, it doesn't really matter what the addiction is. I mean, if people think about addiction, for some stupid reason, they they normally just want to think of drugs and alcohol. We talk about food, but that's too convicting for me. Addiction, and if you've, listen, if you've been in addiction, if you are in addiction, then it'll wear you out. It'll, it'll overwhelm you with failure, and you'll grieve, and you'll hurt. Addiction. Or as one writer put it, our weariness results from the cumulative, multi-layered intersections of life's complexities. And I thought, Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we can point to the thing, and sometimes we can point to the person. Man, this was a tough message for me to put together. I think I rewrote it three or four times. Sometimes we can point to the person that we believe, really, it's the person that we believe is responsible for our, weary, for our weariness. And if, if we're honest, sometimes if we're just gut-level honest, if we would just admit it, we would have to say that people can suck the life out of you. You don't know to say, oh, amen, uh, amen. <laughs> oh, me or amen, right? You don't, yeah. It's easier when it's the thing. It's more difficult when it's a person. So today, really what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how to deal with manipulative, controlling people who can leave you, leave you tired and leave you leave your soul tired. To develop a foundation, I thought would probably be healthy. It would be good if we could, you know, start by looking at two biblical examples of manipulation in the Bible. And the first one, is, it's pretty easy. It's, uh, we're going to go to the Old Testament, uh, Genesis 25. And if you're any of those of you that are brand new to church, those of you that aren't, probably go. Genesis 25, that's the story of the two brothers. That's Jacob and Esau. If you don't know the story, they were twins, and Jacob was a mama's baby boy. I'm just saying he was. He stayed close to mama's side all the time. He was always home. Esau, however, you know, a, a lot of men would say he was a man's man, you know. Uh, he was uh, he was a skilled hunter. And so one day Esau had been out in the field. That's what Genesis 25 says. I assumed that he'd been hunting. It doesn't say. I assumed that he'd been hunting because he was a skilled hunter. And he came home and he made this statement. He said, I am about to starve to death. Which I've made that statement probably several times in the past week, which for me generally just means haven't had anything to eat in a couple hours. So I'm not really sure. I'm not sure of the situation. I don't know if he'd been gone for several days, if he'd been gone for several weeks. I don't know if he just hadn't had any luck in really killing anything, bagging anything, bringing anything home. I don't know, but I know that when he come home, he said, I am about to starve to death. And it just so happened that his brother, who I say was a mama's boy, he was cooking a big old pot of stew. And so, and so Esau came in and he said, I'm about to starve to death. Can I please have me some of that stew? And Jacob saw that his brother was weak. And he said, Sure you can. I'll give you some of this stew if you'll sell me your birthright. And so he he took advantage of his brother. He manipulated his brother. He controlled his brother because he saw that his brother was weak. So the moral of the story is that Esau should be in a 12-step study for over Some of y'all got that, some of y'all didn't. You'll think about that on the way home and go, oh, he made it funny. That was <clears throat> Another great example, I think, of uh, manipulation and control is the story of Samson... And Delilah, y'all know the story of Samson and Delilah. Yeah, really, you've been in church or not, you probably know the story. Samson, you know, he's like the strongest man who, who ever lived. And you know the story where, where Delilah, you know, she tried to control and to manipulate, right? Okay, here's what the Bible says. I'm going to use a Bible word. You can't fuss at me, ladies. She just nag, 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 nagged, nagged. It's a biblical word. <clears throat> and said, please tell me the secret to your strength. But he, he wouldn't tell her. Until she finally said this in Judges 16, verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say that you love me? How can you say that you love me when you won't confide in me? It's the third time you made a fool out of me and haven't told me the secret to your great strength with such nagging. Boy, I tell you, y'all kind of a rough crowd. Really buying in? They Got a lot of naggers in here. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. I love the King James Version, believe it or not, of this particular verse. Verse 16, it says, It came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Manipulative, controlling people can rob you of your rest. So the question for today is, how do you deal with manipulative, controlling people? How do you deal with them? Well, let's start by trying to understand what some of the tools of manipulators are. The first one is simply this. Manipulators will use threats. Now, sometimes those threats are direct and sometimes those threats are indirect, but it doesn't really matter. They'll always use threats. For for example, if you were at work and if you have a manipulative controlling boss, that boss might look at you and say, if you don't do what I say you are, yeah, some of y'all must have that boss. Or, or, or you have a boss, you have a supervisor that is constantly looking at you and saying, you know what, I hold your paycheck in my hand. I have the ability to give you a raise. I can give you money or take money away. And so if you don't do what I say, if you don't work extra, if you don't, whatever that might be, then it's a person who is in control of you. And they'll use threats. Either you do this or you don't get this raise. In relationships, it could be, if you don't do what I say, then I'm out, Girl Scout. It's a threat. It's a threat that if you don't do what I say, if you don't give me what I want, then I'll leave. It's amazing to me that divorce is always, even for Christians, it's our first option. A threat. I'll leave you. Or sometimes in marriages, sometimes you know, somebody might say, If you don't if you don't do this, you ain't getting any. You fill in the blank. This is Sunday morning. I think you get the idea, right? So threats can be very real, and manipulators love to use them. Another major weapon of a manipulator is guilt. Guilt. Sometimes it's, if you really loved me, I mean, if you really loved me, then, then you would. Or, I thought, I thought we were close. I mean, I really thought that we were close, and so I, well, obviously we're not as close as, as I thought we were, because if we were really close, then here's what you would, you would do this for me. If you really, really loved me, if we were as close as I thought that we were. Or, after all I've done for you. Boy, this is really getting close to home for some folks, right? Y'all could have wrote this message, right? Yeah. Absolutely. After all I've done for you, and you won't do This one thing that I ask you to do, after all I've done for you, you won't do this for me. And so really what that implies is that I never really did it because I loved you. I did it to gain power over you. I mean, I served you, and I've served you well, and I've given to you. But every single time that I give you 20 bucks, every single time that I took care of that situation, I only did it for one reason, so that I could come back and then hold it over you and say after all I've done for you. Sometimes it's more indirect. You just get the silent treatment. Man. The reason I know this stuff so well is because I'm a recovering manipulator. So I know what the silent treatment is. You know, good morning. Good morning. It's cold in the room. you, You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they don't say anything ugly. They don't say anything bad. They just don't say anything at all. You use whatever you can because you're a manipulator. And so you will use guilt if guilt will work. I'll tell you what I've learned about manipulators. Manipulators don't like people with boundaries. It makes them feel out of control. I don't I don't know what to do with somebody that's secure. I, I don't know what to do with somebody that I can't manipulate. I don't I don't know what to do with somebody that I can't use guilt with. I, I don't I don't, how do what do I do? I'm out of control. People have boundaries. I don't want to be around people that are healthy emotionally and have boundaries. So how do we break the power of manipulation? I want to give you some biblical principles, just a couple. I think that will help us to break the power of manipulation so that we can find rest for our weary souls. Because I'm telling you, there's some tired, tired people in here this morning. They're tired. And for you, I mean, there's situations, there are things. But more than anything, it's a person. It's a person. So what do we do? What's the first step? Well, you got to recognize it for what it is. And and I shared this with the first service. I mean, I, I listen. I, no kidding. I probably rewrote this at least a half a dozen times. I kept writing that sentence, and I would look at it and think, "Well, that just doesn't sound sexy." I mean, I don't I don't know what I was looking for, but I thought it just. I mean, really, there just needs to be something more to it. It needs to be more theological. It needs to be more polished. It needs to sound better. You know, something more professional. Something. But when you come down to it, really, it's just just exactly that. You need to recognize when somebody's trying to control you and to manipulate you. And listen to me, some of you have been in it for so long that you don't even recognize it. That's the problem. You don't even know it's there. People have control over your life, and you don't even know it. Other people know it. Other people can see it, but you can't because you lived your whole life being controlled. I think a great example with Matthew 16 is when Jesus realized that Peter was trying to control him. Matthew 16, verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. This is really important. This is good stuff. Just just let it sink in that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. He had to suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And then 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 he adds this little caveat, and be killed. Whoa, that's a big one. Hello, anybody? Are y'all listening at all? I mean, because like, I mean, suffering is one thing. To be killed—that's like the ultimate, right? In suffering. And then he adds this little caveat in. Oh yeah, and by the way, be raised on the third day. Okay. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, "Far be it from you, Lord! This shall not happen to you." So, so Peter does what a lot of manipulators do. He just tried to isolate and insulate Jesus. He tried to take him to the side controlling people often want to do that controlling people don't want to be confronted controlling people don't want to don't want to be in a situation where somebody else might be there that can maybe offer some advice or to step in and try to intervene those people don't want to do that so what they want to do is they want to get you off to the side so that they can manipulate and control you with their opinions now there are people who are intentional predators absolutely There are people out there that every single day they're looking for the weak. They're looking for the vulnerable. They walk into a room and they're already scanning the room. They're looking for the person that's maybe isolated and alone. Maybe that's at the back of the room or over to the side. They're, They're scoping things out. They're looking for how people respond. When certain people say certain things, they're looking for weak, vulnerable people. There's absolutely no doubt about that. However, the majority of us are dealing with people who I think who I believe actually love us. And that's what makes it hard, isn't it? Now, I think that they love themselves more than they love us. But I do think that there is some some genuine love. They just don't know how to relate in a healthy way. It's all they've ever known. They've never seen a healthy relationship. They've never seen a relationship that wasn't manipulative or controlling. They've never seen a relationship where people actually spoke into each other's lives and lifted each other up. They've, they've never really seen that. All they know is this is the only way I know to relate. I believe that Peter loved Jesus. I do. I mean, ultimately, he, he died for the cause of Christ. Did he love Jesus? Absolutely. I don't think he intentionally wanted to hurt Jesus. I do not think that if he had known, if he had been able to grasp exactly what Jesus was saying, that, yes, I have to, I have to go through this. Ultimately, I've got I've to die on the cross to shed my blood for the sins of the world. Ultimately, that's what I have to do. I don't think that, that Peter, if he had known that, if he could have wrapped his brain around that, would have taken Jesus to the side to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. He wouldn't have wanted to interfere with God's plan. But come on. He was human. And Jesus said, I'm going to suffer a lot. Peter said, Hmm. You're going to suffer, but oh, the end result's going to be you're going to you're going to be the next king. You're going to be King David. You're going to rule Rome. You're going to rule the world, okay? So maybe we can suffer a few things like from the scribes, you know, and from the religious leaders. Okay, that's cool. But then he said, and die. And I I wonder if Peter thought to himself, whoa, wait a minute. So like if you're going to suffer and you're going to die, those of us that are really close to you in proximity, chances are good that we're going to suffer. Oh, my gosh. And we're going to die too? Man, I wouldn't count on that. So the first thing that you have to do is recognize when somebody's trying to manipulate. Whether it's intentional or intentional. You have to recognize that manipulation, you have to realize it and recognize it for what it is. So the obvious question is how do you know? I mean, I need to recognize it, but how do I I really know? How do I know if I'm being manipulated? Maybe this is all you've ever known. You didn't grow up in a healthy family. That's what mom and that's what dad, that's how they treated you. And now you've grown up in relationships that were the same way. So how do you recognize it? Well, I think that the first sign that you may be uh, be being manipulated is when you find that you can't say no to a certain person. When they ask you to do something, I mean, you just feel obligated to say yes, even when the best answer is no. When they look at you and they ask you to give money, that honestly, you just don't have to give. I mean, it's going to put you in a terrible financial situation, but you find yourself giving money you don't have. And then then they ask for time. They ask for time that you don't have to give. And so some of you, you know what? You're wore out. Your soul is tired. Your soul needs rest because you have been controlled and manipulated by people that have constantly pushed you. And you've tried to say no, but you cannot. Say no to that person. second sign I think that you're being manipulated is when you, it's when you always feel guilty. When you're around that person. You feel like you're not a good enough friend. You know what? You feel like you're not a good enough spouse. I, I'm never going to be the wife he wants me to be. I mean, no matter what I do, no matter how much I cook, no matter how much I clean, I miss that day. I mean, it's, it's never enough. Are you with me? Or, or maybe as a husband, you said, you know what, I've done everything on the to-do list. She comes up with five more to-do lists. I try, I do, I do the best I can. But I feel like no matter what I do, I know children that say, I have parents that I'll never, I'll never be able to do enough. And I feel guilty when I'm around them. There's no freedom here at all. I'll tell you what I've learned, they'll use flattery. Man, they'll use flattery. They'll use flattery to manipulate and control you. They'll say, nobody is as good at as you. Oh, if you would only. I need you to make that phone call. I need you to talk to that person. I need you. And so they put this, this pressure on you. And, you know, and, and so they, 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 they start out with flattery and they tell you how good you are, but, but just say no. I've said many, many times, I can be a hero and a zero within a split second. I can be a hero when I'm willing and a zero when I'm not. And you can go in that split second. It's control. Manipulation they make you feel guilty. I think a third sign is you ultimately feel responsible for that person. That you're ultimately, you ultimately feel responsible for their happiness. And let me get so far as to say this, when you feel like that you're ultimately responsible for that person's safety, do what we do. Oh my gosh, suicide is an epidemic. I don't know that I've heard that on the internet or heard a doctor say it, I'm telling you. I have never in all of my years of being in the ministry seen suicide like I see it. It's crazy. It's happening almost every single day. And it's happening with people that you would never never even think. It's almost like it's a badge of honor now. And so people will say, but they would listen to you. They won't listen to anybody else. But if you called, if you went and made that visit, if you sat with them all night long, and some of you were absolutely, you wore out carrying this burden that God didn't intend for you to carry and fourth sign is you're being manipulated is when you compromise your values to please others man this one's probably the easiest one I can give you if you're single and you're dating somebody and they said if you really love me then you would and so they're asking for sex and they're they're holding that they're manipulating they're trying to control if you don't give me this then guess what it, then you don't love me I've always wondered why in the world we don't look at them and say if you really love me you'd wait Really? But we don't. So we compromise what we believe. And let me just tell you, when you start to compromise your belief, it's painful. These are just a few indicators that you might be uh, allowing yourself to be controlled and manipulated by somebody else. So, How do you break the power? Well, first off, you've got to recognize that you're being manipulated. And here's the second one. It's really easy. It's easy. It's just not. It's easy to say. It's, it's hard to do. You've got to verbalize no more. You have to, you're going to have to verbalize. You're going to have to look at somebody and say, it's over. T- today's the last day. N- no more manipulation. No more. No more control. No more if. No more guilt. No more. It ends today. I do love you, and I will do all I can within my power, but the manipulation ends today. Here's how Jesus handled what Peter was trying to do to him. He said, but, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. So there you have it. The answer is, you look at him right square in the eyeballs and say, you are Satan. Okay, okay. Maybe that was not a good idea. <laughs> Sometimes you want to, right? He said, you're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of men. So the bottom line is you gotta say it stops. It's over. I'm done. No more. There are some of you um, that are really, really tired. You're tired. And it's, it's more than physical. It's more than a vacation is going to fix or two vacations are going to fix. It's more than six months off is going to fix. There's nothing more discouraging than to take time off and to sit back and go, wow, I am tired. I am so incredibly tired. I'm tired somewhere deep down inside. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I know that, that I'm weary. It's, it's a weariness. been allowing somebody else to control you and without realizing it because some of you are such good wonderful god-fearing people you're committing idolatry you're not allowing god Emily pointed this out she was in the first first service you know what do people think when you're trying to I, don't let people control you but let god control you oh my god it sounds like still the same thing right it's not God says, I don't try to control you with threats. I just love you. I love you as you are. In spite of all of your brokenness. I'm not looking for one thing from you. I don't need anything from you. I'm God. But I want you. I want a relationship with you. And the only place, listen to me, follower of Jesus... The only place that you can find rest is in Him. It's nowhere else. A vacation won't do it. It's simply time with Him. Every head's bowed. Nobody's looking around. if you're here this morning and if you would say if you could just be gut level honest and say dude I just recognize this morning that I've I'm allowing people to manipulate and control me I'm being manipulated I'm being controlled and I, and I am weary and I'm tired That that's you and I can pray for you would you just slip up your hand Amazing. in the first service I did the same thing and I asked you to bow your head I didn't want anybody to be intimidated by somebody that I might be watching I could not believe the number of hands that went up so I just want to pray for you Father uh, so many people this morning they're just overwhelmed they're tired Lord they're just so tired relationships Lord that, that are just not healthy God they're being manipulated and controlled Father I don't you know you have to show up and you have to do what only you can do God it's not what I can do I wish it was as simple as a sermon three points and a poem but Lord they have to leave here and they have to go home They have to go back to work tomorrow. And they have to still deal with the people, Lord, that are so draining. So they're going to need you. And Lord, I pray within the next few minutes that you just do a sweet, sweet thing. And in your presence, they can find rest. Now let me talk to those, every head still bowed, still closed. Eyes still closed. Let me just talk to those of you that manipulators those of you that like to control others listen it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad person I'll tell you what it means it means that you're driven by fear you're so afraid that if you can't control the situation that's where you find love it's through control and it's never enough because the more that you try to control another human being you know what? they're not loving you freely for some of you you know what you you would admit that you're a manipulator and that you control and you would say I just I don't know of a healthy way I don't know how to relate this is all I've ever known my whole life and I just need some prayer you just need to be able to place your faith in God and give it up and hand it over And that's a day-by-day experience. So if that's you, and you would say, you know what, that's my tendency, is I'm going to try to manipulate and control, I want to pray for you as well. Could you just slip up your hand? Oh, man, that is so sweet. I am so thankful that you feel like you're in a safe place. Lord, I've been that person, Lord. I work so hard to not. And Lord, I know that the only answer for me is in my relationship with you. And I know the fancy word is it's my identity in Christ, but God, honestly, it's my security in Christ. It's the security of being in you, safe with your love, the kind of love that never ends and never dies. So God, will you just speak? To folks that are, they were willing to admit it, God, wow. So speak to them. Maybe you're not a follower uh, of Jesus. And you know what? Honestly, you've just been trying to control everything in your life and everybody in your life. And you're manipulating others and you're trying to control others to find your happiness and your joy. But the truth of it is, it's just not working. You're constantly disappointed in others and they can't meet your needs and you're miserable. I know people even try to manipulate God. They think, I'll go to church. I'll do some religious stuff. You know, I'll give some extra money. I'll try to be nice, say some prayers, hoping they can control their eternity. But the Bible says that we can't. That the only way that we're made right with God is by grace and through faith. It's giving up control. It's giving Jesus control and it's easy because his love for us is so great he proved his love and all he wants from us is just our life give me your life and let me love you it's incredible so if you're here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus but you'd like to be you're ready to give up control And maybe you'd pray a prayer something just like this quietly silently right there in your seat maybe you'd just say this Heavenly Father I'm ready to give up control because being in control has not worked I need a Savior I believe that Jesus is your Son who died for me on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin I believe it I believe that you're alive and I'm asking you to forgive me to the best of my ability, I'm giving up control. I'm giving it to you. Everybody, look this way. We wanted to do something a little bit different this morning uh, to kind of close the service. And uh, so here's what we're going to do we're going to do a song, the band's going to play, and we just want to give you an opportunity to reflect. I, this song is awesome. You're going to love this song. One of the lines in the song is, I am restless until. I rest in you. Now, some of you have been in church. Uh, You know, like 50% of you have not. And so you're like brand new to the whole church thing. So this is like, what? What are we doing? So I just want to explain this to you. And and for some of us, we just grew up old school. And sometimes, you know, just coming down to the front, it's just special. It it just is. And so sometimes people will come down and uh, just want to kneel here and pray. And if you want to do that as the band plays you're invited to come. I'll be down here if you want somebody just to pray with you. Uh, Jonathan will be down here. We'll have other staff people. We'll have a response team. There'll be people that'll be close and there'll be people that'll be near. And if you just need somebody to hang out with and pray, then we're going to give you that opportunity. Some of you, listen, just so you know, it doesn't make your decision any more legit if you come. You don't get brownie points with God. I went down. You got to do something. Uh, you can maybe kneel right there in your seat if you want to. That's Okay. But we want to give you the time just to reflect and to respond and to sense His presence. Because that at the end of the day is really all that matters, right? So will you stand?
4: Find yourself with us so that we can be secure in who we are in you. In Jesus' name.